Good morning, good morning. Here we are. And it's 6.03 a.m. And it is April the 25th. And on C-SPAN, they had those two JJs coming from Tennessee and the white woman that was talking about their expulsion from the Tennessee House. But, you know, how it was an assault against Congress or an assault against our nation. So let's just listen up. Because, you know, we all have to make our minds up about what it is we're willing to do in America. So let's get busy. We talked about safe storage laws. 
Um, we talked about assault weapons and what that would look like. So there, there were a lot of options, and as well as universal background checks and closing loopholes, things like that. What did so. the president say to your request for a public health emergency? So I want to first start by saying that when we went in there, we, we, we talked about how Tennessee can be a model for the nation. We came as Tennessee lawmakers, but we didn't just come as, as, as legislators. We came uh, as voices of moral dissent of, as, as to what happened in our state. Yes. And so we lifted this issue above the partisan divide that this is not left or right. But we talked to the president about how this is a moral issue, an issue of conscience, an issue in the South where we are trying to build a multiracial democracy and challenge these extreme forces that rather than passing assault weapons ban, they assaulted our democracy, as we saw when we were expelled from the state legislature. And so we've talked to the president and vice president about why it's so critical for us to continue to lift up these movements in the South, to continue to, to, to lift up this multiracial movement of reconstruction that we're experiencing right now in Tennessee. And as I was sitting in the Oval Office, I saw the, the, the bust of Dr. King. I saw the bust of Rosa Parks. I saw the bust of Cesar Chavez. And what they did, all those people did is, that, is they acted outside of the political paradigm of what was possible, and they changed political realities. And that's what we talked about. Was I, I made a direct ask to the president that sometimes we have to do something something outside of the ordinary, as John Lewis did when he sat on the floor of Congress, as we did when we went to the well of the Tennessee State House and demanded action on guns. And so um, we are going to continue to push and lift up the, the creative tension needed to get action on this item. That's right. Because for so long, this, this gun violence debate has been stuck in between this, in this stalemate of, of left versus right. But we talked today about how it's a moral issue of right or wrong. That's right. And that is what we're lifting up and we'll continue to do at the state level, from the state house to the White House. And we didn't come here today representing ourselves. We came here representing the people of our state. That's right. The majority of whom across political aisle want common sense gun laws. Republicans, independents, Democrats, they want action. And most importantly, we left here with the mandate of a message that we must protect kids and not guns. That That's is right. the message I will be going forward with from, from this meeting. when children are dying and to pass laws to protect gun manufacturers. What is radical is to have a mass shooting after mass shooting and to say all we can offer is thoughts and prayers. What is radical is a supermajority Republican legislature that is more beholden to the NRA than they are to the lives of our communities. That is radical. What we did was to stand in solidarity with the clergy who were bringing these caskets, clergy who had buried children, clergy who had buried congregants, to say that we can no longer just, just, just hide the issue. What this issue is, it's about life and death. And so these clergy who brought these caskets to the state house, what they were doing was trying to, to, to show and demonstrate for the world, like they did when Emmett Till's casket was, was open. Mm -hmm. Let the, the world see that in Nashville, we had nine, uh, three nine-year-olds lose their lives. Three adults lose their lives, and we did nothing about it. And so I would challenge that, that narrative, and I would say what is radical is an action. What is radical is a status quo that, that will put money of, of special interests like the NRA and Tennessee Firearms Association over the lives of our children. That is radical. How optimistic are you that enough Tennessee Republicans will support uh, the proposal that Governor Lee backs for, in a special session? Do you think that that's realistic? The reality is thousands of Tennesseans have marched on our state capitol, mostly young people advocating for change because there is a radical silence that is coming from people whose pockets are being filled by the National Rifle Association, the American Firearms Association, who are choosing to care more about what goes into their campaign funds rather than what goes into the schools and into the homes of people who are just trying to live their daily lives. What we believe is that people power can work. 
and that what we have seen even already from the governor is not because the governor has all of a sudden had uh, some calling or awakening about the issue of gun violence and the need for gun reform. That's been an issue for decades now. We've needed gun reform. We needed to stop the uh, assault weapons from being manufactured in our state. We needed to have universal background checks. We've needed to have red flag laws for a very long time. But what is changing in this moment, which is really important for the state of Tennessee and for the United States of America, is there is a majority that is rising up and speaking and marching and demanding that we do something. And so for the Republican Party, who too often likes the status quo than justice, who too often is okay supporting white supremacy and patriarchy, that's supporting policies that can keep children alive. The message has been very clear from Tennesseans, both Republican and Democrat, white and black and rich and poor, that something must be done. And in this special session, the expectation is that a law gets passed that can actually protect our communities. Do you think the vice president will be able to lead on this issue? She did speak to The vice president and I had to represent Johnson is an extraordinary leader. She came down to Fisk University uh, and spoke short, the day after we were ex expelled from the state house, showing that this was not only a, a, a choice to stick with the status quo that supports the NRA, but it was also a threat to our democracy. And so, for sure, she is a leader and can continue to lead in this effort. Yeah, and absolutely, the people that weren't there. Just, there was so much conversation about that speech that she gave, how powerful it was, and it really just energized and motivated more people, more of the base, more of the people who were on the periphery of this issue, but now they're fully engaged. And they feel like, you know, the White House has made this a priority in Tennessee. Tennessee doesn't always get a lot of attention. And, and the world and the, and the nation had their eyes on Tennessee, and it's it's going to make a difference. You know, we've all got to stay in this together and collaborate and grow this movement because we are going to get action. Definitely. And and so we're just going to make sure that that happens. And we are so thankful that the White House reached out, the vice president reached out, and understand what is happening and want to help get something done. thing that it was a key message was that this is not a moment, it is a movement. That's right. Yes. And that what is going to trans transform this system is going to be continued people pressure. That's right. We come from a state where we have an NRA-endorsed governor calling a special session on guns, mm -hmm. something that's unheard of because of people power. That's right. Because of, of, of young people taken to the Capitol by the thousands. And so I think that what message I think we all were in agreement of in that Oval Office was that this is a movement and will continue to push and that, that, that there are steps that can be taken that we'll continue to talk about. But I think it's going to take us not seeing this as just a, a political um, inevitability by just um, a statement, but we have to organize this as a movement. This is our Selma moment. This is a moment in which we have a state that um, just days after mass shooting chose to expel the two youngest black lawmakers rather than take action on common sense gun reform. And it's elevated the issue to the national conversation, their extreme reaction. And that's why we had the vice president come the day after on Good Friday. Um, to come stand in solidarity in Tennessee. You have the president, you know, saying that we were kicked out the, the state house and yet we're here at the White House discussing this on the national platform because what happens in Tennessee, I'll say to the media, is going to have national implications. That Tennessee is going to set a, a model for the nation about transforming this conversation around guns and, and moving forward to a state and to a, a society where, where we value the lives of children over the campaign contributions of the NRA. I think this is really lifting it up to a moral conversation and that's what we need to head toward. Can you talk about what that push is going to look like from here? 
I'm sorry, could you say when your you question? Talk about what, you talk about the push that needs to happen, right? This is a summer moment. Yep. What is that push going to look like after you leave here? How are you organizing with other groups? Mm-hmm. Um, what does that look like after you leave, leave the White House? And I also wanted to ask you, you just confronted Representative um, Zachary, I believe, on the floor talking about implicit bias training mm-hmm. in that, and he kind of tried to shut you down when you brought up white fragility. You weren't able to give a comment on, on that, but can you, can you talk about what you wanted to continue to say? I mean, we stand here today as, as representatives of a movement. That's right. That when they expelled us, they were trying to expel a movement. And so we are in solidarity with the people of our state. When we lifted up the call for a special session, that was an ask that came from these organizations, particularly young people who said, we cannot leave here and do nothing. And so it's going to look like going to these Republican districts in the next month and knocking on doors, holding town hall meetings, holding rallies in their districts and lifting up the issue and saying that we're not going to allow you to let this simmer down. That, that we ended session on Thursday, excuse me, on Friday early because they thought it would die down, that people would forget about this. But what they don't realize is that we have a month to organize. And we're going to organize and travel across the state and continue to put pressure on them in their district. And Representative Zachary is, is, an, is an example of how out of touch they are with, with what's happening in Tennessee. Tennessee is a multiracial democracy. That's what we stand here as, as ambassadors of, that we want this vision of a multiracial democracy, not this vision of, of, of corporate um, special interests aligned um, white males who, who are not aligned with the everyday people of our state. That's right. And so we represent the future, which is why they're so threatened by this. You have, we literally, Memphis, Knoxville, Nashville, from, from one end of the state to the other, multiracial racial, multi-generational, multi-faith, and that is the future. And so I want to say to the media is that Southern segregation, they said that they had a saying that the South will rise again. We come here to say that the South will rise anew. We represent a new South, a new South that is rising, and that if we can transform the South, we can transform this nation. If we can get common sense gun laws passed in the South, we can get them passed in this nation. And so we hope that the national media will lift up what's happening in the South. Because our people are, are pushing forward a new vision. And I think it's, gonna, it's, going to, it's going to be a point where we are on the right side of history. And those who stand against us are not. And, that, and, the, and all of these different organizations that you ask are wanting to join. How, what can we do? How do we get involved? More young people who are not connected to organizations are asking the same thing. Kentucky, after their bank shooting happened, they called us, some of those representatives. They showed up in our human chain that went from Vanderbilt Hospital to the legislature, three miles, 9,000 people, and several senators and and representatives from Kentucky came down in solidarity, and we're going to talk with them back and forth about what we can do. So we've got other states reaching out. We're going to go across our state, and and wherever we can energize other folks, that's what we're going to keep doing. Because you cannot expel hope, and you can't expel a movement. (laughs) Go ahead, your question. We didn't talk about a re-election bid. What we what we're talking about is, is is we didn't talk about re-election. We talked about um, reconstruction. We talked about resurrection of a movement um, around common sense gun law. We talked about this resurgence of hope in our state that is challenging these these extreme special interests. And so um, we 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 are you know stand in solidarity. We're preaching that the vice president made an emergency trip, something else unheard of, the day after we were expelled to stand with us and gave a speech in Fish Chapel. Um, historically black college and so um you know we we hope that the you know the the white house will continue to to stand in tennessee but they're showing that they care about what's happening in our state that's right i mean i I think it's unheard of this i think we're the first state lawmakers that come to the white house under this administration 
I mean, they're showing that they stand with us. And, and, and by standing with us, standing with our people in our state. And so I think that, you know, this is a strong support that we're getting from this White House. The fact that we're here today, that, that they tried to expel us from the state house and silence us. And the White House responded by coming to, to, coming to Tennessee. Right after the mass shooting, I want to say, too, is that uh, First Lady Jill Biden was one of the first people to come to Nashville yes. and stand with our community as we're mourning. I represent a part of Nashville. And so our community was grieving. The First Lady was with us there. And so I, I think that we, we want to continue to work with this White House um, and continue to lift up state legislatures like ours who, who need support who must be elevated because what we're dealing with um, is a form of authoritarianism, is a form of, of extremism that um, is, is harmful for all of our children. And I think that's what we want to continue to lift up. And, and Tennessee is often left behind and overlooked. Say that again. Sorry. No. So we will be here at least for another day, and we are talking to some leaders. We'll be talking to some over in the Eisenhower building uh, in just a moment, and each of us are reaching out to connections that we have here because the work that is going to happen, it won't actually just be what happens federally, although this is extremely important. Obviously, Congress needs to pass an assault weapons ban as they did in the, the 90s. Obviously, we need expanding universal background checks, these things that are very sensible. But what we are realizing, what we represent and all the people that we are representing in Tennessee and the people who are asking for justice and change to happen is also recognizing a lot of this work has to happen at the state level. And the truth of the matter is the assaults on our democracy, the erosion of our democracy is happening at the state level. State legislatures being run as ours is by Cameron Sexton is much more like a mobocracy than a, a democracy. And the reality is if we do not keep pressure on the people at the state legislatures and the speakers and the lieutenant governors, we're going to continue to see lawmakers being expelled for advocating for gum, common sense gun legislation reform. We're going to continue to see people, the youngest black, two youngest black lawmakers being expelled, but voices of dissent being persecuted by the government. If we do not take a stand and show that in Tennessee and in this country, those types of things are not acceptable. And so I believe that with the people-powered movement that has been resurrected and that is moving forward in Tennessee and across our country, there's reason to have hope and optimism and reason to believe that these states can change and that our country can fulfill its promises to its children and to the communities that we say that we care about. And that's the oath that we swore. That's the oath that the president and the vice president swore to protect the communities and the people in this country. And we need everyone, Republican and Democrat, to be uh, in this movement with us. It is not a, a part an issue to say that children should go to school and be safe. It's not partisan to say when you go to a bank, you shouldn't be worried about someone coming with an AR-15 that could do you harm. These things are not Democrat and Republican issues. This is just about who we are as people. And as Representative Joe said, it's a moral issue about what is right and what is wrong. And what we are seeing and the reason to have hope is that even in a state like Tennessee, a Republican red state, we are seeing a governor determine that there is a time and a place and a moment where the status quo cannot work. Uh, and we are in this moment, in our movement, and we need more people to continue to join us and more people, particularly in state legislatures, to push back against the status quo that is harming our communities. Did you discuss messaging strategies to, to try to make it more palatable for some of those folks who are not on the No, it's not about palatability, and, and Representative Johnson, Jeremy, it's, it's not about palatability of messaging. Uh, all of us uh, have a moral compass about what is right and wrong. And we know that it is wrong for a child to go to school at Covenant and not come home. 
we, we know this is wrong for three people's parents or grandparents to go to work and not come home because someone had an AR-15. It's not about palatability of messaging. It's about whether or not we have courage and, and, and a consciousness in our society and in our states and in our government to act to preserve what we say is important, which is the value of individuals' life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Now, these people are parents. They're moms and dads. We don't think of them as Republicans and Democrats. They do not. They want to put their kids first. They want to put their kids before guns. And they're coming to the Capitol every day. The last 10 days, there was a group of Republican women that were there in support of doing leg passing legislation. And uh, they were inside. They were in the gallery. They were all over. But this is this crosses all the lines. It's not it is not a partisan issue because there are as many Republicans coming forward as anyone else. And even I'm the one that lives in deep red East Tennessee. And even in my district, I pulled this very issue and there a majority of Republicans, a majority of independents and a majority of Democrats favor red flag laws and gun sense legislation in Red Knox County. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's there. We just need to lift up those voices. Yes, it is. And, and, and we didn't we didn't have to even speak to them. I think our actions spoke to them. And they joined us. I mean, just because it's the right thing to do, because they're worried about their kids. They're worried about the safety of their communities. And, and they're going to stand up, too. And I think that's something that our supermajority is just missing totally. Representatives, representatives. Hold on one second. We hadn't heard a question from you. We talked about we talked about the hope for democracy and, and this vision of a multiracial democracy and about how John Lewis um, did something out of the ordinary when he let us sit in on the floor of Congress for gun legislation in 2016. And, and when I, our friend here asks us, what gives you hope? Excuse me, what gives us courage? What gives us, we come here as Southern legislators in a state that has a tradition of, of, of attacking democracy, but also uh, we come from a, a state where young people led a movement to challenging Jim Crow. That's John Lewis, we mentioned him, came from Nashville. You, um, Diane Nash, Bernard Lafayette, young people. And so I come here 27, 28 as the youngest black lawmakers in that tradition, that prophetic tradition to say that what we're doing is, is not just for us, but it's for those generations who are coming up after us. And it, it, it's lifting up that legacy of liberation that is also in the South. We come from the South where it's not just about that, that, that where the children of MLK and Rosa Parks challenge the children of Bull Connor, the children of, of these white supremacists. And so we come in that tradition, that prophetic tradition. Um, I work at Fisk University where, where we had these young people leading a movement. And so what gives me courage is seeing these young people who came to our state capitol by the thousands, who walk out of class, these mothers whose children had died, who said we're coming, um, like people like Shondell Brooks, whose son was shot in my district at the Waffle House in a mass shooting, and said I'm going to use my grief and transform it into action to demand change. And no matter what happens, I'm going to be persistent and consistent and, and, and continue to push the issue. And so I think courage is something that can be contagious. We're seeing it where we were expelled and it's, it has lifted up a voice of a generation. That's we come right. here and we see this Gen Z who I really believe is going to transform 2024. That, that, they, that their overreaction has, has launched back a backlash from these young people who are going to transform the political paradigm and the political possibilities of America. And, 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 and if we can do it in the South, the South is going to set the tone for the rest of the nation. I cannot emphasize that enough, that we come from Tennessee. Tennessee, that they said, is a place that is forgotten, a place that is impossible for change. And we came here, we did something out of the ordinary, and it's lifted up our state to a national profile that is now inspiring courage across this nation. 
And so I think that's, that is what gives me hope and gives me courage, is that solidarity, that multiracial, multi-generational um, coalition that we see that is being formed to transform the South. And, and the fact that you asked that question, what does that say about the state of our politics? You know, I don't think about it as courage. I, I did the right thing. You know, we did the right thing. And it, I, for me, it didn't take courage to do what is right. I know people see it that way, but for me, I was doing what is right. What is sad is that today, a lot of folks don't have the political courage to stand for what's right and what is right for the 70,000 people that we serve. Hey, thank you very much, everyone. Um, our legislators have to uh, move to their next meeting. I'll just say, on, on the portion about courage, that day, our mics were cut off and we were prevented from talking several times. But the thousands of people who gathered who were making demands in a state where you're told uh, that things won't change, in an institution that prides itself on the status quo more than doing justice. It was seeing the faces of teenagers and high schoolers who were saying, I believe in democracy and that the people who've been elected in this democratic institution will do right. And so for me, the courage comes from those voices of people who refuse to give up on this country who refuse to give up on the beliefs and the ideals that we say and profess to have. And so for me and my, my, our community, our families, uh, it is the voices of our community who refuse to, to stop crying out, even in the wilderness, uh, for justice to roll down like waters and righteousness like an upper flowing stream. Thank you all. All right. That was like excellent. That's how come I wanted to come and share that with you today. And also, I would encourage everybody to go to the Washington Journal this morning on C-SPAN. C-SPAN.org. It's online. Just go to C-SPAN. And they had this psychologist there. He had written a book. He was in the Navy. He served in Congress. And now he has his own practice dealing with people with trauma who are service-related. And trauma is real. You know what I'm saying? How it comes out through people. Mental illness is pretty real, too. And I think we can't continue to play the game. You know, games people play. Night and day, they just ain't macking. You know, whatever they can do to keep on screwing you is about what it's about. And so many people are not like me. My son tells me all the time, Mom, Mom, Mom. You're talking over people's heads. And I said, I don't give a damn. It is their obligation to step up. You know, just step up. Understand that we live in a democracy and that you were born on God's earth and that you have a job to do. And the job is to look out for your brother's keeper. <laughs> you are your brother's keeper. And we have to understand that not everybody has the same opportunities because we all don't start the same but it doesn't matter because I can blow up in 2023 that's right that's me because I know what the fuck I'm talking about now do you know and why is it that you don't know and what do you see when you look out the window and I, and then that that mental health professional talked about we just can't keep on walking by people and we know that they don't have a pathway up. Meaning that, you know, there are people that just believe that, huh, it's a choice. And I'm telling you, that is a forbidden choice. 
as choice is not relative when we are only talking about a country that is made for all of us. But there must be a pathway created. You know, the steps, the steps that you take to ensure adequacy happens for all people is an obligation. And it is your obligation as a human being just because you're breathing the same fucking air that I'm breathing. And if it's chemically cancerous, then we're both going to get it as we are both down here working in it. So let's not pretend that we are not all drinking the same water. Even if we can afford to buy our water, we bathe in it. Somehow, it comes in contact with the things that we use, and it is still here. We have, to, we have to know better so we can do better, and failure is just not an option. I think that most people can see it ain't working, and when I hear senators get up there and say that they're going to take away the obligation that they put on the teachers to collect the data and do the do, the do, the do, well, then you don't get to keep the money, boo. <laughs> You have to promise to do these things in the name of whatever when you swear to allegiance that this is what's going to happen and somehow shit is not happening. And it's unfortunate that this time in history, this time, well, I believe I have met my match because people just don't respond to me as if email is not viable in the United States court system as it is. And people just need to understand that. They were included in the list, but they were also what is it, the word complicit in not doing what it is that they should do when they know that they should do it. I believe the time limit was increased to a whole hour over here on Spotify. But that's okay. I have to work with my son to try to get him in. And perhaps we can do a two-people show. Because we're Beth. We're just coming from different perspectives. And I sit across the table from so many people. And I have a different perspective in life. But I still have the same perspective working towards the end. As freedom and liberty are just not free. That's right. In America, how do you see freedom is the question. And as there is no responses, me out here peddling my my shit, it's mine. Because it's my journey. And I would not be able to talk about this journey had I not been on it for so long. But I'm so grateful just to listen to others share their opinion. And for people who are truly connected, like those two brothers that are serving in the Senate, in the House of whatever, the People's House, they're in Tennessee. And those young people are so connected. I'm saying, yes, yes, and yes, but they still don't understand where they came from because they were challenged. They are recent graduates from elementary, middle, high college. And they saw, as others had just dropped by the wayside, somehow 
They just didn't make it. I didn't. I don't understand how they didn't make it because you know the law is that the state still provide a minimal op- op- opportunity to learn. But if you don't want to do it, well, if you don't want to do it, then we call that <clears throat> mental illness. That's right. And for people who believe that somehow them children out there in the juvenile facility with the partnership with the not-for-profit agency, and they're not coming out of their being whole, meaning that the relationship with them didn't make them whole, didn't make them Americans. They didn't come out politically engaged in the oversight process of, you know, of what was happening to them. And, you know, when you're not engaged in what is available to you as an opportunity to stand up and remove yourself from the funk, that's right, then you are not engaged in the process and it's not happening for you. I see so many people that are just stuck, you know, but there's this, you know, and and, and, it, and I think it's just the way I think, but I know my children think like me. And my sons were doing some great work in Atlanta. And my son is doing great work in Hawaii, too. But I think that he should really focus on his God-given talents. Because, you know, doing website and web design and, you know, and marketing and all that shit comes natural to him. And because it comes natural to him, he just doesn't value it. And, you know, but... He's so smart, I trust him 100%. And that's my son. And I'm so grateful to have children. But you know, when when I was in Sacramento, I would go to the laundromats and the young people. Well, they'd have their little children in there. And they'd be talking to their children like they, less than. And I think that that's what we need to understand. That less than, how children don't know how to treat their own children as they're not being raised in a loving family environment but all those supports about what we should do what is required is there a process it should just be created because we have, we're paying people to do shit that is so irrelevant that ain't changing shit for nobody that's right YMCA you know come on now your tax dollars at work big brother big sister your tax dollars at work and then we could just have a whole host but see we never said oh what we said is that because of prop 209 you couldn't basically provide services in your own community because you would have an advantage you see it was an advantage and i believe somewhere in my tapes i hear this person talking about the advantage that negroes would have if they got to you know use race in their culture to address the needs of the people in their culture and i'm just saying what is culture i really don't know but i know what i like and i know where i want to be and if that is culture to me then it's just my family and so you know i don't really have a whole lot of time and i don't mind doing what it is that i'm doing right now because i'm attempting to share with you the empowerment necessary to become an individual living independently and thinking on your own. But truly, 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 
I have to question, where are we? Because, you know, I realized the military framework or the, you know, the way that my stepfather raised us. Oh, he raised us and he gave us common sense. Not that everybody possesses it, but he told us what we should always do. And there's a process of handling business in America. And there is also the process of developing children and providing adequate support and not calling them little black MFs. You know what I'm saying? Because I hear it all the time. But the abuse that goes on in our communities, and I don't think black people really understand that trauma, that beating, the beating in the black communities of how the abuse goes on in black families because it was mostly created by fear. Fear and trauma because of, you know, willful defiance. Hell, lions, tigers, and bears, oh my, but they don't die. But be black in America and fail to comply. You will die. And then we will be talking about if he had only complied. What? Why didn't he listen? Well, what do you think? I just think he should have complied and he wouldn't be dead. Well, of course. Oh, no, no, no. Whatever. And I'm saying, oh, yeah, right. Whatever. I am tired of the whatevers. Because I know what's happening here in Nevada. And it's called surplanting. And the federal government doesn't, it doesn't allow surplanting. And it's not your money, boo. I don't care if it's coming to your state to represent and support support the people who live here. Yes, that's all true and dandy. Yes, it is here. But the real deal is is that you're supposed to be providing adequate opportunities for all of your people. And for whatever reason, the harvest was ripe. Even when we come to the marijuana, the cash crop. Because... We're still trying to monitor who makes a fucking penny on it. I mean, why allow it to be legal even for pleasurable use if you still want to manage who gets the benefit? And you see, therein lies Confucius say, we got a problem. I believe there's a problem over there. I mean, come on now. The machines are so tight that they don't pay, but sometimes they pay. And therein lies, therein lies the dilemma. But you know, hey, I can't say that the universe didn't take care of us. Because I know the day before we were going to have a new roof installed, and we had $3,700, because I had given my mom $3,700, because I won a complaint. And see, I don't understand how come the federal government is not all in the asses of these MFs here because they are moving seniors into unhoused situations. I see far too many seniors. That is that is criminal to me in a state of entertainment. I mean, they should just have facilities where they can just check in and participate and engage in conversation as to Wow, it was rough out there. But why do I see them sleeping in the alleys, under the trees, in the bricks? Let's just not pretend this is the year of 2023, boo. <laughs> and the American Rescue Money and the American Rescue Plan funding was allocated inappropriately 
That's why that reimbursement ain't happened yet. Bing, bing, bing. Human capital. You get it, boo. Maybe you don't get it. But you will get it. As we come closer to the 2426 reality, is that you will only be able to use that money in a project that addresses the needs and meets the needs of the individuals in the community that are generating those resources. And wake up in America. Wake up in America. Because irregardless if you think that it's not your problem, as you leave the house every day and look out that picture window, understand it is only your problem. Because whatever is done in the dark is coming to the light. And in America, in America where we're all free, the word is e purpose unum. Out of many, there's one. But out of one, there may be none. Please like, subscribe. It costs a dollar. And follow me. But more and more, we have to build capacity in this movement. That's what the Johnson brothers, I mean, those two JJs in Tennessee, I don't know their names, but they were both black and very articulate human beings where they could articulate exactly where we are in America and encourage building capacity in America across the nation in regards to gun control because guns don't kill, people do. And when we have children with mental illness, boo, we're not even engaging the children nationally. We have so many children in the lockup. What are we doing? What are we practicing? Who are we when a man can be eaten alive by bed bugs? Bed bugs, do you hear me? Eaten alive by bed bugs and died in the great state of Georgia where Stacey Abrams was and where we have the other black senator. And I'm saying we still have those red Republican areas where they don't spend the money on the people and they have a poor service delivery. And where's the federal oversight? It's just like that garage building collapsing in New York or the the apartment complex down there in uh but hell we're not answering the question why is there no water in the Euphrates River but we ain't got no water in Mississippi and ain't no water where is the water going no water in Lake Mead Colorado River hello don't you understand it is we the people in America and we can change the word is e purpose. You know, many there's one, but out of one there may be none. Please like, subscribe, and share alike. Subscribe, pay a dollar, and share, y'all. I'll be back now. Yes, I'll say good morning, good morning once again, and we're gonna talk about services for. <clears throat> high school dropouts this morning so when people get comfortable they can come on in all right because it's it it's apparent to me that so many people are just not connected and I was trying to understand why but then I saw I saw why as I was raising my sons there was a number of children who just didn't make it and they just did they just stopped coming but you understand that the oversight for 
local control comes from the district attorney and the district attorney's all into the business of the people who receive that aid, that aid. And some of these people just never made it. But there's no program that I've seen that's been developed that will allow a person to climb up out of the pit as the pit truly just exists. So let's just review some of these programs, shall we? Okay. Table one, selected rigorous evaluation programs for high school dropouts, work progress, work programs, the national support work demonstration, 17 to 20 year olds, school, high school dropouts, one of four target groups, paid work experience with graduate stress, meaning that if you're a graduate from school, you can get paid work experience and claim that, um, people can claim that on their taxes. But they say they have 861 youth at five different sites, and this is nationwide, I guess, large increase in employment initially, but no lasting impacts for youth in the target group. That's what it said. Youth incentive entitlement pilot projects, 1977 to 1981. 16 to 8 to 19 year olds from low income families who had not graduated from high school guaranteed part time and summer jobs conditioned on school attendance meaning you had to go to school there were 82,000 youth at 17 different sites and, and large short term increases in employment no impact on school outcomes all right the American Conservation and Youth Corps Services, whatever, 1993, was created in 1993, y'all, and to 1996, mostly 18 to 25-year-olds. Oh, you know, I could probably just let the computer read these two pages, but I'll just continue. Um, Out-of-school youth, kids who had dropped out, 18 to 25, Paid work experience, community service projects, education and training support services. It, it affected 1,009 youth at four different sites. Increase in employment, decrease in arrests, and particularly for African-American males, short-term follow-up. So that one, the American Conservation Corps, really helped black young African-Americans. Now, <clears throat> let's just, it's another section here. Education and training programs, job start. 1985 to 1993, 17 to 21-year-olds, high school dropouts, low reading levels, meaning that they don't have to have a high reading level, education and training support services, job placement and assistance. It affected 2,300 youth at 13 different sites. Increase in GED recipients, few impacts on labor market outcomes though, except for CTE sites. You know, CTE is really, you know, I don't know what it is. It has to do with technology, I believe, but it's training. But anyway, National Training Partnership Partnership Act out of school youth and analysis, 1987 to 1994, disadvantaged youth from 16 to 21-year-olds out of school youth, kids who had dropped out. It's just a program that, that, that exists, and I'm just trying to tell you. They have the Job Corps. They have the Center for Employment, the CTE, what is that, Replication, 1995 to 1999, Disadvantaged and Out-of-School Youth from 16 to 21. 
But, I mean, you know, but you're kind of losing your youth if you don't get this before you turn 22. I mean, what's going to help you get on, on the right track? And, and that's what my question would be to each and every one of you. If you have not graduated from high school, what are you waiting for, boo? <laughs> but, you know, if you didn't make that choice to engage in the process in education, and you only have a high school diploma, the objective for you to participate in the public service sector is real. How do you exercise your citizenship is the question. As most people don't even understand, you know, Jay King's on in the morning. Jay King's on every morning in Sacramento. I like him, but then I don't because he talks a lot of ignorance. And he, and But he's they made him the person over the Black Chamber of Commerce after Aubrey Stone died. And he hasn't even changed Aubrey's taking Aubrey's name off of the emails that go out for recruitment for whatever. But, you know, he's a businessman. He's a musician is what he is. And uh, I forget which group he represents. But if you go see him, he's on 97.5 in Sacramento. That's that radio station. Hey. And we have 88.1. But, you know, it doesn't matter if we have black radio stations, black media. It doesn't matter because black people from state to state do not unite in America. And what's happening in one state could be happening in another state, but not necessarily so. And that's because black people do not unite. And... It's, it's unfortunate that there are all these national organizations like the NAACP, I would say, and the Urban League and the, and the Black Chamber of Commerce, whatever. What do you call this? Yvette Williams is over it. But it really doesn't matter. She used my membership for one year and then she let me get on stage and have one conversation so she could position the uh, superintendent to, to break her some leverage. Because the law is the law, and I'm sorry, so many people don't understand what the law says. But it's just like, what's his name said, I am the law. And he was the law, until he had an outside chick in the house, and had an outside baby in the house, and was raising his child right alongside his other children, until the truth be told. Started looking too much like the daddy. <laughs> And oh Lord, people just had a problem with it, and so did she. So, you know, Arnold moved on, but he didn't lose status, meaning that the baby didn't go out with the bathwater, boo. But in America, in America, when they can use the media to paint you a horrifying person, I watched them do that shit with Bill Cosby, and I watched them do that shit with R. Kelly, and then I watched him do that shit with yay, Kanye West. Now these are all black men and heavy and heavily influential, but on around R. Kelly, it was only the testimonies, the testimonies of the hearsay of the bags of money being exchanged. And she didn't find no even exchange. She didn't understand what was going on, but they all testified to him giving bags of money. That's why his ass is sitting in the penitentiary. He got he got federal charges for racketeering, boo. <laughs> for not paying his goddamn taxes. Do you not understand this shit in America? 
Because the whole thing is, is that, you know, until you make money, you're good. But once you make some money, well, you got to figure out what the fuck you're going to do with that money. And you, and it's going to be your obligation to figure out what the fuck to do with that money and invest it back in your community, boo, so that you can leverage your support that you are giving to the community and do what with it? Leverage, leverage, leverage. Leverage is everything. As I understand just who I am in America, and maybe you don't, the deal is the word was always going to be e-purpose. You know, matter many, there's one. <laughs> but out of one, there may be none. And if you ain't on the list, well, you ain't getting no services. And that's just, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Things will always be what they are until they are not. And the real reality is, is that when your printer starts making noise, well, hell, everybody is joining in the game. I, I'm not printing anything, but apparently it's it's notifying everybody about what I'm printing because it wants to think like I think. <laughs> and that will never happen. Because in order to be where I am, well, you would have just had to experience some things in life. And I just know far too many people were never in the room. So I can be in the room here all by myself. And you don't ever have to log in. But I still know what's happening because I've been to the table. You know, if you've been to the mountaintop and you've seen what you've seen, but still, you're the only one up there. No worries, because ain't nobody else coming. And therein lies the dilemma with the black man and the decision on how to determine how they will fund federal support for Negroes who have been enslaved. Well, well, how do they measure the maintenance of effort for you? I don't know. Because across this nation, it seems to be just fine that black children are failing. Well, how are they analyzing failure in America? And what's, I mean, how can you have a fucking national plan to end homelessness if you ain't created a way for people to sustain themselves outside of whatever. Because you see, in Europe it's just different. That's right. I lived in Italy as an adult. I lived in Japan as a child. And we lived in Texas as a child. I lived in California as a child and an adult. And I can here to testify I just want to testify that life is the same no matter where you are. It matters to who you are with and your relationships that you continue. Because you ain't got to be in somebody's face every day to know them or support them or share with them. You may not have talked to them in 20 years. But they're still the same person as you remembered. But let's just accept that in America, as a people, as a black people, we are not measuring or monitoring, and we are not complaining enough about what it is we see 
How is it that a black man would be incarcerated for an infraction of the law, not proving guilty, yet and still be condemned to die from neglect and abuse? And the people in America not talk about it because he was a black man. National news. What the fuck is really going on when people are being eaten alive by bedbugs? By bedbugs. And the bites in the eyeballs. And the bites in the nose. And it is not like he was found unresponsive on its own. It is that he was found unresponsive in a condition that he could not escape. And therein lies the troubles of where I live today because I cannot escape what I have learned that has happened here in Nevada in the four years, in just the four years that I have been here that I lost my mother in the nursing home. And believe me, on the day that she died, I went to see her because I was getting my new phone then too. This 14 that doesn't really work. But uh, I saw her in the condition and my brother was holding her and she was telling me she just couldn't do it anymore. And I told her I loved her and I just can't see her like this. Because I know when she was at home, she wasn't suffering like she was suffering there. And my mother would have wanted and needed me to be there day and night. She asked me to be there day and night. But at that time, it was a lot. And I just couldn't do it. I got the flu. And for three days, I didn't see her. And I know that she thought I had abandoned her. But I know that she knew that I loved her. And I did everything I could do to keep her living. So, you know, my mother had lost 40 pounds when they had her in the nursing home the first time. And she was underweight. And her body had really started to, you know, deteriorate. And and I realized that. And I had to figure out how to get some nutrition to her. And we did. But, you know... Eating habits are really, really what they are. You know, greens and cornbread and chicken, fried chicken and ham and all the things that we grew up on not necessarily understanding that these things were not good for us as humans. And now we can look at other human beings. And I'm just really trying to understand what it is that I see on the computer. Maybe that's why the concern is about TikTok, because it really shows the conditions of Americans. And I kind of like Facebook because, Nehemiah, thank you for joining us in the worship. Is today Sunday? <laughs> I thought it was. Sabbath was yesterday for me. And the deal is, is that, you know, you truly only know what you know and you don't know what you don't know and I don't know how you're going to do something on your own when you never completed anything that was established for you to complete meaning that the struggle is to understand that you have not been given individual attainment meaning authority, I mean the ability to achieve anything but what are we really talking about? You have to have a willingness to learn. 
You have to have a willingness to do the things that you've not done before. To understand that you want to get to where you would like to get to. And I'll just say, once again, in America, who are we? Bing, bing, bing. Human capital. And, you know, I can see that Facebook has taken my content several times. And, you know, they're getting sued. Meta, they're getting sued for people's content that they have stolen or whatever. I don't know. It's happening. It's a Facebook suit. Everybody should look into it. Really. Because when the money starts coming down, well, it's just going to start coming down. Rain on me. I want it to rain on me. That's what I wanted to do. Because no matter what I do out here in the ethos or out here in the land of liberty, I realize that I can choose to do whatever it is I'm doing. And choice is everything. And I can sit in my computer. I can sit in my backyard. I can be driving in my car. I could be walking and talking and reaching people to help them awaken and understand that the journey we are on is just a journey. And not everybody is on the train. Planes, trains, automobiles. But hell, if you locked in the room, you're just locked in the room without a vision and the ability to envision what the future looks like because nobody can say, "Uh uh-oh, you can't participate because, boo, there's always a workaround. And the deal is my Facebook page and my Facebook post, Darlene Billups, B-I-L-L-U-P-S, is my slave name, I'm sure. Anderson is my husband's name. But my given name is Darlene, Dartha Jean. That's how they was referring to me in the Southern and the Deep South. And the deal is, it doesn't really matter. Because I understand the power in showing up. And the power in advocacy. And the power in understanding just where you be in America. So we're going to have to use those assessments. We're going to have to use that data to demand and leverage where we would like to be. Because truly, who are you in America? What is it that you have chosen to do in 2023? Because it is our liberty that we can't justify anymore. Meaning that when Philando Castile was murdered, understand, it was reported back to the officer who was in fear of his safety, who probably should have really never got out of the car, but he was not charged. But he was murdered in front of a baby girl and a baby mama. And she wasn't, she didn't have him insured, but that was her life. And we didn't talk about how her life changed after that happened. Just like, you know, who is it? The woman who got shot in the bed with her man. I mean, put yourself in the bed with your man and understand gunshots through the door. Really? What in heaven's name for? Was there a dangerous situation going on? I mean, all these investigations, investigations into data and shit we know, you know. 
We know you know. You're just trying to put the pictures and the pieces together, but to go in armed and to take life that night, what the fuck was really going on? More than meets the eye. There's always more than meets the eye. What about Michael Vick and them dog fights? Well, after Michael Vick was taken down for the dog fights, I don't think we heard about him anymore. But let's just understand that alcoholism and drug addiction is a problem. And Henry Ruggs probably had some narcissistic qualities which enabled him to accidentally take the life of someone. But it was an accident. It wasn't it wasn't intentional. And instead of him atone, allowing him to atone for the accident, no, they locked him up and made him a criminal where they were rewarding that aggressive behavior on the field. And it was really their obligation to oversee it and to rebuild because I thought the Raiders left no man behind. But apparently that is not the truth. (laughs) But of course it is only my analysis and my perception as everybody has a perception just like everybody has an asshole. And everybody should be taking a shit about every day. But a lot of people don't. And they're walking around with that pot full of belly of shit. And then it starts to fester and fatten your ass up. And it's just real. As these are health conditions. And we realize the obesity problem in our in our communities. Yet still, we're not having these citywide conversations helping to build capacity to understand who's making it in the city and who ain't. I saw a wonderful city performance by that mayor over there in New York. (laughs) Mayor Adams, the black man with the bald head. Fine, fine, fine. But the deal is he's all about the business and he's all about allowing retraining to happen for the people who did not graduate in his city. I'm just telling you, that shit is about opportunity, and we about to blow up over there. That is over there, not over here. Over here in Nevada, we ain't had no conversations about what's really going on, no. You want to put Joe in in office and Sheriff Joe Lombardo, and then you want to control the devices in people's homes and shut up, people. Shut up over there. God damn it. Did you hear me? I don't want to hear you. And so people were foolish enough to block my emails. Soon learned that when they put the red light on, that I could expose their ass because I'm just trying to share what I know about what they should be doing as they're not doing the work. But when they refuse to hear what I know, well, I guess... When I went to their upper chain, they understood there's power in that damn forwarding right there. That right there. There's power in knowledge. And knowledge is what I do possess. So we're going to see how long we're going to follow. Follow the yellow brick road. <laughs> follow the yellow brick road. Follow, 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 follow the yellow brick road. And then when you got behind there and you found out who was really behind the curtain, well, I'm looking for that man in the mirror. And when he stated his case, well, goddamn, 
he's not here anymore. But when Prince started talking about signing with Title Records, it was more than the gossip. It was an urgency, a fierce urgency of him who had created music that he didn't share with his original people, his original owners. Well, they took authority and they killed his ass. Everybody knows that he died from an allergic reaction from a drug that he had not taken before. And hello, how did he get it? But goddamn, we ain't talking about that shit. Nope. (laughs) Nope. Because they went in there right away to analyze and see what they had missed out on for those years that they that he had not shared with them. That he opened his fucking mouth, he should have kept it until after he signed with title records and they started doing business. But he spoke a little bit too soon and a lot of weakness went hell. Bobby Christina and Whitney, I don't know. But I know that we only talking about the money as both accidental deaths we cannot atone for. Hell, we can't even atone to what Whitney's behavior was really. I mean, she was just all about partying, seriously. <laughs> to go in the same manner as your mama. Well, that just seemed a little bit too convenient. For the love of money, people will lie on their best friend. For the love of money, hey. I think we should find that song and do it. Do it on the way out because I'm getting ready to run. No, I don't want to put it on my on my podcast because then they might say I don't have access rights and it was just a song. But always understand once there was a boy and girl boy said I love you so the girl said, I'll never leave you. But they grew up and they left each other. And that's the way love goes, baby. And that's what usually happens in relationships that bear fruit. And it really doesn't matter. Because what matters is, did you learn that you are the overseer of the harvest? And whatever you're willing to put in, well, you can... Oh, a software update tonight. Isn't that amazing? They just want to know what you're doing when you're doing it. And they can't necessarily see everything from a device that does not have a... Well, this one doesn't have a chip in it anymore anyway. They just you They just turn it on. It's just so... You go in there and they just put your little number in and then you said okay now you got free access but you still have to pay $25 like they're providing something they ain't providing shit but hell it's just uh, aren't you way to the out here to the ethos out here to the real life to the world and as your reach becomes across the nation understand that it is only you and you're in charge of what it is that you're willing to do in America. So I can always say like, subscribe, and follow me out here on my podcast. On Spotify, not Anchor anymore. And I tried to sign up with Apple too, but I got stuck. They wanted me to put some kind of logo in. I just got stuck for a minute, but I haven't had time and I've just been so busy. But time is not on my side. I have time. But I don't, I'm not utilizing it correctly. So, you know, time is what it is. It's relevant in the accomplishments. 
But we all have to have a plan, boo. What's your plan in 23? I plan on being free. So I would say, like, subscribe, and follow me out here on this podcast over here on Spotify. I'm going to end right over there.